0: Hello, hello. Welcome to the Back Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. And I'm Andrew Bean. This week, we are doing our next installment in the hip-hop series. We have done 2012, the last time out. We did two classic years, 94 and 88, before that. And now it is time for Steve to choose. Our man, Steve Tyson, who joins us on every one of these hip-hop episodes. Steve, tell us what we're doing and how are you? (laughs)
1: Which one should I answer first? Uh, I'll go with, how are you? So, I'm doing well. Thanks, man. (laughs) How have you guys been?
2: Yeah.
1: Doing great. Nice. Making it through, you know? Yeah, definitely. It feels like we're all in that space of making it through in this whole pandemic. They try to say it's a post-pandemic, but that's kind of like when... Bush was standing in front of a mission accomplished sign. So, post war era. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I always, I've been, I was making the joke. I didn't know people actually thought this, but I was making the joke like, hey, we're in the post pandemic era, right, guys? Huh? When now at work, I'm forced to wear a mask again.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah, we're nowhere. In, well,
2: so no, <laughs> so Steve, you're good, is, is what you're saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, or well, as it, it, you said. yeah, doing, doing well, doing well, doing as well as can be in all these circumstances, that's for sure. But this year is your
2: choice, so what year are we going to be talking about this time around?
1: Yeah, so definitely taking it to 2005. Uh, the reason why I chose this year is because it was pretty informative and influential for me. Uh, it was the same year that I ended up creating my company just listen entertainment uh, as a hip-hop artist as a hip-hop educator and i've you know, really been inspired by a lot of the artists that were either making their debut in 2005 or really starting to make a name for themselves if they've been around before. Uh, It was really just, again, like a a formative year for a lot of artists that were very influential for me, but then also for myself in identifying, you know, who I am as an MC, as a producer, as a musician, as an artist, as a hip hop entity uh, and, you know, I'm really excited to dive into these songs and, you know, connect with you, Corey, on 2005 and also learn from you about why this year was also really important and, you know, influential for you too.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, this was my senior year of high school slash freshman year of college. So a very formative time in my life. And just going back to this year, I just have such distinct memories of all these songs and where I was and, you know, what I was doing. I can't tell you how many times when I was listening back to these that I was just transported to a grimy basement during some party at college. And, you know, it sounds bad, but it was actually great. It was it was a lot of fun listening back to a lot of these songs. I'm really glad you chose it.
2: Who doesn't love drinking beers? during a beer pong game where a ball that fell onto said dirty rounds landed
1: in the cup because we all did that. (laughs) We all did that. Oh, yeah. Heavy into that in 2005, you know, picking it up, wiping it off on your jeans and then <laughs> keeping it going. It was maybe. I don't know. Gri- yeah, maybe. It was a very grimy time. <laughs>
0: it was a very
1: grimy time. Pre-pandemic, that's ha- for sure. You had to ask the other
2: team, like, can you please wipe that ball off? Like, there are a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Like, put it in the dip cup on. to
1: wash it off, yeah. Yeah, you know, in the water cup. like can come get on. A new can you one, least- please? Yeah. <laughs> refresh that, please. You know, it went to the corner with the dust and all that's just nasty. I don't know. I played quarters at a fucking
2: frat house, which that's like that's dirty on top of dirty. Like number one, a quarter. Like why would does anyone put change in their mouth unless you're a child? I say that because that's what I did. But otherwise, like now you're gonna throw it into a beer cup after it fell on a dirt floor in a dungeon, essentially? (laughs) (laughs) So gross. (laughs) Definitely dungeon-esque. Right. Yo, I so for two thousand five for me prom that because I'm a year younger than Corey and I just you know, so that stage I'm senior year. So these songs had a totally different meaning for me. But then also like a lot of other great sort of pop culture things or introductions to other artists as well because you got some of their, you know, biggest bigger records, I guess you could say, that came out this year. And uh you know, one of the you know, one of the things being like the Dave Chappelle show. It's the reason why I think I you know I knew about common Actually, no, I think I was still a fan of Common, but I just remember seeing that song and being, like, really into B because of that, uh, sort of after that. So, yeah. Has fond memories, and then there's prom. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, Beam, what are we drinking here? Let's uh, let's do the intro music and get to this fucking episode.
2: Well, all right. Didn't know we were going to be so I- gruff about really it. I'm just it, Oh, okay. I didn't I was mean be sure. Gruff, it was like, but God, I'm just, is... I'm jazzed. All right. Well, uh, you're right. It came
0: off gruff, my bad.
2: It's okay. I just wasn't sure if I said something. I wasn't sure if because that I'm wearing a Nickelback shirt, but it's in the style of a New Balance logo. I don't know. I wasn't sure if that's what upset you as well. But uh, anyways, the beer I'm drinking, I'm sorry, we got to keep going. The beer I'm drinking is uh, Treehouse's, again, we mentioned this last time, we don't need to get into what Treehouse is. It's known globally, I'm sure. Uh, King Julius, the double version of Julius. Uh, But... I couldn't figure out, it was like, what's a good beer to go with? And Corey, you know, you're, you chose King Julius. Why did you choose King Julius out of all the beers that I named?
0: Just going to be talking a lot about a lot of rap Kings this year. Um, That's why a lot of, a lot of rap royalty in, in the conversation here, at least on my end, Steve, I don't know what you're doing, but I I think rap royalty is, uh, is appropriate.
1: Well, I guess as far as like what I'm doing and what I'm sipping on, it's not a King Julius, uh, but in thinking about <laughs> rap royalty and how that might connect to sorry, <laughs> to what I'm sipping on. Uh I'm 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 sipping on, you know, a nice little cold red stripe uh from the island of Jamaica. And thinking about rap royalty, you know, gotta represent Biggie and his Jamaican roots as well as DJ Cool Herc. You know, there'd be no hip hop without DJ Cool Herc and he's also from Jamaica, so big ups. I I I wanna go put on my Bumba Clot hat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm
2: sorry, I should open the beer. Anyways, let's get into it. So before we get into both of your guys's actual lists, I kind of want to know. I know at least for me, like exploring 2005 was enlightening. I think in certain aspects, it. I now coming into it with a different perspective. I think I enjoyed a lot of these songs more. But I guess for you two, and Steve, we could start with you. You know, this is obviously the year you picked. But what was it like actually going back and exploring it?
1: It was really cool because. It was a time when, you know, we had come off of this whole era when, you know, Nas was declaring hip-hop is dead and there was a lot of this stagnation, at least it felt like, uh, you know, on the mainstream level, whenever it comes to, you know, just the innovation, the creativity, uh, you know, a lot of the storytelling. And around this time, you know, this year, I think that there's a lot of songs that are... Thoroughly representative of the best of hip hop, whether it is the lyricism, the storytelling, the production, a lot of legendary producers or producers who had made a name for themselves before this time period were, you know, reestablishing themselves, you know, in, in, in again, in like the mainstream or the bigger commercial space. Uh, And then you also had a lot of new up and coming folks really declaring themselves, whether it was as producers or as MCs and, um, You know, I think that it helped to realign hip hop as a bigger entity uh, musically uh, with the type of forward progress that we were kind of seeing within the culture and within the music in, you know, the 90s. So um, it it was a very exciting year for me going back and listening to all these songs and hearing the diversity in them uh, and really hearing a lot of, you know, just really great music.
0: Yeah, Steve, I want to jump on the idea of diversity for a second because, you know, one of the things that I really noticed when I was going back through and when I was choosing my list was, you know, there was this whole East Coast, West Coast domination throughout the 90s. And then, you know, hip hop music was kind of in a, a lost zone for a while. And then it kind of found itself by embracing these different regional things, you know, the South, the Midwest, you know, all those things. And, you know, this might be a bit of a spoiler, but I don't have a single East Coast or West Coast artist on my top five. It's entirely Southern rappers and Midwest rappers.
2: It kind of so, felt like this was the year of like, so I, like I know obviously like, what a date back to, to Outkast saying, you know, South's got something to say well before, the, uh, 10 years before this. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this felt like, you know, it, to, to hear like Nas say hip hop is dead and it's like, this is where the South comes in. It's like, eh, no, not so much.
1: Yeah. No, it's just yeah, changing. And yeah, exactly, it's exciting. Yep, absolutely, and, and, and the acknowledgement of the Midwest, uh, you know, around this time too, where you know it's really thinking back, even a few years earlier, with folks like Nelly really kicking the door in, uh, and but even before that, you had a lot of folks coming out of Chicago uh, and, and representing, you know, out of Ohio. Um, so there was a lot of Midwest representation in the mid to late nineties as well. But you know, by two thousand and five, you know, it's folks. You know, who are representing the Midwest that are at the forefront and continuing to evolve and change what hip hop is looking like at the forefront of the culture.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because we talked about, you know, Bone Thugs from Cleveland. We talked about Common from Chicago back in the 94 episode. But, you know, they weren't necessarily like the top of that and like the top of the consciousness in the hip hop world. But I feel like a lot of these Southern artists that we're going to discuss and a lot of the Midwestern artists that we're going to discuss. They really were at the peak of their kind of prowess during this time in two thousand five, and it moved hip hop in a very different direction. Because you still see the South's fingerprints all over hip hop now, and this was a a big year in terms of like when it kind of joined the mainstream conversation.
1: Most definitely, most definitely, prowess, prowess. Yeah, prowess. (laughs) No, I didn't see it. No, no, yeah, you did. Um, the emphasis on that
0: <laughs> The emphasis on the syllable
2: I mean I know you said other things after that But that happened and I, I, I've been stuck in that moment ever since <laughs> Anyway um, So we always do, do this obviously before we get into the list as well uh, So what I want to hear from both of you guys And I think I I may have even mis mischaracterized it last time But special acknowledgements you know, not necessarily honorable mentions, songs that were supposed to make your list, or, you know, we're just on the edge and maybe making your list, or maybe for Steve, we're on your list. And then about five minutes ago, they're off. And so I guess what I want to hear, Corey, do you got any special acknowledgments you want to throw out there?
0: I have a bunch. I have three. So I'll do one now and then I'll throw it to Steve and maybe I'll finish up. But, you know, my first one, I talked before about how. You know, 2005 was my senior year of high school, uh, you know, freshman year of college. So my world was really being opened up. And I want to give a special acknowledgement to two people and then two rappers. The two people are my main man, Justin Esposito and Luke Matthews. Beam, you know these people. Good folks. They introduced me to so much hip hop because they were often the DJs at these college parties. And, you know, two of the big ones were. Joel Santana and the dipset crew. Um, the song There It Go, the whistle song, I can't tell you how many fucking parties that we played that and Dude. just grind into it. And uh Chameleon air is riding dirty. So many, so many parties with that track on it. It's crazy.
2: Dude, let it go. I actually I told my friend, actually my coworker, I'm like, You should I think you need to show that song to your your one year old son. I think he'd uh I think he'd he'd enjoy it, you know, and teach him how to whistle. And apparently he did actually play it for him in the car today, and his son was just, like, fucking doing the fucking air, you know, pulling on the horn kind of thing as a trucker, just, like, freaking out. Like, yep, that's his sign of loving that song. (laughs) (laughs) But Steve, what what about, yeah, sorry, Steve, what about
1: you? What special acknowledgments do you got? Uh, Let's see, for 2005... Well, first, I guess personally, you know, considering how it was the year that I ended up, you know, establishing Just Listen Entertainment, uh, I got to shout out my homie Dave Dennis. You know, I wouldn't be on the path that I am as an MC, as a musician, as a producer, if it wasn't for the work that we were doing, uh, writing rhymes and holding you know, various freestyle battles and then hosting freestyle battles and hosting various radio shows while in college together uh, at the same year that was really formative for me and also got a shout out uh, my other brother Ashton Williams in that too um, just because yeah 2005 was the foundation for everything that I'm doing professionally right now um, whenever it comes to music and hip hop and then as far as the culture the music is concerned Switch of House Records uh, You know, they, they uh, are a record label um, and I have a lot of artists that were really making a name for themselves in 2005 and um, you know shout out to Paul Wall and Mike Jones and Slim Thug and Chameleon like you mentioned Corey uh, but you know they didn't end up making my top five list uh, but you know I really wanted uh, some representation to swish a house in my top five but ultimately couldn't find a way to to fit it in there so definitely giving an acknowledgement to them too.
0: Yeah, staying on the record label beat, I also want to give a special acknowledgement to Def Jux Records and Rhyme Sayers. You know, Steve, you knew us in high school. We were very much of the punk, emo, hardcore mold. No. Yeah, y'all were. And oh. <laughs> y'all definitely were. That's not <laughs> true.
1: <laughs>
0: yes, we were. And, you know, as suburban white kids, like that's what it was. We and, were angsty. That you know, we what, so I don't angst. fucking
2: know, but we were.
0: And, you know, Def Jux and Ryan Sayers, the, the artists that were on those labels really provided a unique bridge for kids of that kind of emo punk ilk as a way to kind of get into hip hop. So, you know, artists like Atmosphere and Blueprint, um, they both put out records this year, very good records that I listened to a lot. And also, um, shit, what's his name? <laughs> Oh, and also ASAP Rock on Def Jux, you know, all three of those were very influential for me. You know, when I listened back, it didn't hit the same way. So I didn't include it on my top five, but these were very important artists to me back in 2005 and really did a lot for me in appreciating hip hop and loving what it was. Steve, do you have any more? Because I got one more.
1: Yeah, I got one more uh, special acknowledgement, uh, and that is to Missy Elliott, Um, You know, Missy Elliott was massively important uh, as a musician, as an artist, a creative uh, for me. And there are so many songs, especially off that album, The Cookbook, (laughs) uh, that, you know, I really wanted to try to figure out which one could make this list, but uh, again, didn't. And, um, you know, just Missy Elliott was just very, very influential and still is very influential to me as an artist. And just somebody who likes to push the boundaries uh, in in their creativity, it's it's just amazing to see what she's still able to do. So, yeah, just wanted to shout her out too.
0: No one has ever made better music videos than Missy Elliott. No,
1: yeah, I don't <laughs> yeah. think. Yeah,
2: there's not a single one. No, she 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 is the best when it comes to that. And just because they look like they're almost fucking horror movies, but at the same time a comedy. I don't know. It's and then just awesome fucking dancing. I I don't even know. She's 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 a marvel. <laughs>
0: Yeah. The Marvel. And I love the cookbook. It's a great album. Uh, my last one, 2005 represents the start of a three to four year love affair with Papoose. And every track that he was on, I just needed to find it. He was all over these mix tapes. And he did this one track with Paul Wall called Riding Shotgun. And I used to wrap this thing front to back constantly um, it is a great song. It's, it's not like widely available, but if you'd never heard this, check it out. It is, it is something
2: you want to, do you want to wrap it now? We have time. We can,
0: <laughs> if you just wanna... There's this, <laughs> I can't, I can't do it off the top of my head, but there's this one line where he's talking about hitting on a girl and she, he's like, I wrote my phone number on the back of a dollar. She crumpled it up and put it in her vagina. And it was just like the most bizarre shit, and I was like, "What on earth are you talking about, Papoose?" But I was into it because it was just like, "I've I've never heard someone rap like this. It was, it was crazy." See, what are your feelings on Papoose? <laughs>
1: Uh, well, there after, it a is. Lyric, after a lyric like that, I mean, I, I don't know if they've just changed, but <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would say that uh, overall, though, I think that Papoose is a really talented, you know, rhyme slayer. I mean, he, he, he can put words together better than almost everyone. And, you know, the, his alphabetical slaughter where he's going through the entire alphabet. And just rattling off rhyme after rhyme after rhyme And it's in alphabetical order And then he also has versions where he goes backwards And it, it's He's absolutely incredible uh, And so yeah That's thats ultimately what I think about Papoose for sure He was able to rhyme vagina with something So <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it, I, I have no idea Anyway
2: um, <laughs> I mean I'm, So I, I guess we're about to get into it I'm sorry Is there anyone else? Any other special acknowledgements that need to be made? no pun intended
1: <laughs> <laughs> no but fine papoose what a guy <laughs> yeah
2: now well, i mean it's a little disappointing knowing that neither missy elliot or blueprint will, will appear on this list but uh important to at least give him some shout out. so this is the time though this is the this is the moment we've all been waiting for bruce buffer beam isn't here to introduce these thankfully uh so there won't be much yelling but i think we need to get going with the list so steve hit us with your number five
1: all right, so my number five song in two thousand and five. We're going to kick it off with Young Jeezy featuring Manny Fresh, and then what?
2: I mean, phenomenal choice. But I just I, I think it was an interesting choice on on his part uh to to just like let half of the song be silent um when he raps
1: so (laughs) that's definitely (laughs) whatever label or (laughs) or outlet was back 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 in the day video back in the day when music
2: videos had to be edited and couldn't just be on youtube but no sorry i i we're just we're just playing
1: we we just kind of listened to the edited version of the song
2: but steve tyson Why'd you choose this one?
1: Well, I mean, first, the song is just like an absolute banger of a track uh, produced by Manny Fresh. Uh, But it's also Jeezy's debut as a solo rapper. It was his first solo single. Uh, He was with Boys in the Hood before that. He had left uh, that group. Uh, I think they were signed to uh, Bad Boy um, originally. And then he he ended up striking it out on his own with Def Jam. Uh, Jay-Z had become president of Def Jam at this point. Uh, He was retired from rapping and was either signing and bringing artists to Def Jam or bringing the right A&Rs who were bringing the right artists to Def Jam. And under his uh, tenure, Jeezy was one of the artists that uh, was signed to Def Jam. He got his own label, CTE, and was really able to uh, you know, put, help put Atlanta on the map Uh, in 2005 and you know Jeezy's really gone on and done a lot of major things with his career musically uh his recent verses against Gucci Mane was incredible um and and you know he's just got a lot of classic classic music representative of his experience um but also just representative of that Atlanta trap sound uh in 2005 so uh shout out to Manny Fresh for you know always making some heat and he really did his thing on this track too so yeah um for me, I think that, you know, Young Jeezy is a really important uh, rapper uh, in today's era or influential, especially for today's era. And, you know, if it wasn't for this track, we wouldn't have the Jeezy that we know today. So I had to kick it off with this.
0: Yeah, I mean, I also have Jeezy on my list and he he appears later on with a different track. But all the things that you said, Steve, you know, we talked a bit about in the, in the intro, we talked about how the South's fingerprints are still all over music today and Young Jeezy Thug Motivation 101 like that's the record that laid the blueprint for the southern sound and trap music and it was hugely influential and Young Jeezy is just a monster on these tracks and a real master of branding those snowman shirts man like everybody knows like when you see that Young Jeezy,
1: boom Yeah, yeah And and also think about those shirts too I mean, he was so influential that, you know Especially with, you know, what he was talking about In a lot of his rhymes and stuff Where, you know, those shirts were banned You know, people couldn't go to clubs And wear a snowman shirt Because it was representative of, you know Either you you know, selling drugs or selling cocaine, you know, moving that snow um, or just being affiliated or involved with, you know, that trap culture. And so, you know, those shirts were banned from a lot of places. And, and you know, then the phrase you can't ban the snowman became <laughs> extremely popular at this time, too. So Jeezy really, uh, you know, had a lot of buzz about him at this at this time, too. That's such a I mean, good counter.
0: No, nah, it is. And it's like the same thing that we talked about with NWA. Like once they're record was trying to be banned by the fbi that just made him blow up that much more and so like controversy sells and when you're just rapping about kind of that hustler lifestyle and you branded in that way and then you know buttoned up white conservatives get all mad because you're doing it it's like that shit just pushes your record forward and like it really it it does better business for you and young cheesy knew that he's a great businessman <laughs>
2: It's almost to a certain extent that you're almost hoping for it. Just please bring it on. It's going to make me even more money. Let's do it. Yeah, it almost just seems anything you try and ban too. It's just if you prohibit something, people are just going to be like, I want it more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, they seek it out. They're like, oh, this is dangerous. Yes, give me that. I want that. My parents are going to be angry. Yeah, give me that. Steve, anything else on this one?
1: No, nah, I just think this track slaps.
2: I've never heard yeah. you use that phrase before, and I like it. Uh, Corey, what's your I mean, number qu- five?
0: <laughs> I, I'll do it in a second, but before we go, like, oh. it really quite literally slaps with that boom-boom slap. That's true, in, in actually. Like, it yeah. quite literally slaps. <laughs> Corey, your number five? Yeah. So my number five, I'm going to do this kind of regionally. I talked about how... You know, this was very representative of this kind of nationalization of hip-hop and everything blowing up. So my first artist is from Memphis, Tennessee. It is Stay Fly by 3-6 Mafia featuring 8-Ball and MJG.
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: again,
2: fantastic pick for the number five. But why this one, and is there something you need to, I guess, sort of cop to or possibly rectify here, as
0: you say? I definitely need to rectify this because I forgot to shout out Young Buck. He is also featured on that track, and great verse. I I love Young Buck on this song.
1: Yeah, it's a short verse, but it's a dope verse. Um, For real. I, I always forget that he's on the track, too. I actually just tweeted that out because I was like, "Yeah, that shit is wild!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow, it got um, you
2: that much where you're like, "Oh, yeah." Because I, I was I like, "I'm six always six like now. three
1: six mafia, eight bowl and MJG," and I and I'm just like, "Oh, and Young Buck!" Like, it's such a great look for him too because he's probably the most overlooked member of G Unit. Clearly, to be on a classic track, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's true we just both <laughs> overlooked him just yeah. now wait did you
2: like tag young buck too is he just gonna respond I'm like what the fuck why do people keep doing
1: <laughs> no i did not tag young buck i was like yeah nah. i was like i'll just i'll just put the thought out there rather, rather than actually directly address him
2: <laughs> it's how twitter's supposed to
1: be but
2: why why this track my friend why Corey?
0: I mean, honestly, it speaks for itself. It This this song slaps. And it's a
2: fucking podcast. You can't just go ahead and say that. You got to talk about it.
0: <laughs> I know I'm going to talk about it. But, you know, my one of my points is that, like, it's hard for me to put my finger on like one thing that's like really great about this song, because there are so many things that are great about this song. And, you know, the first one that comes to mind is just that hook. I got to stay fly. Uh, 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 uh. And it's just like that shit gets stuck in your head. And, you know, we talked a lot about 2005. This was an absolute anthem amongst my soccer team, both on our pregame warmup tape, in the locker room, at parties. Like we were all just there doing the the hook to that song. And so that's a huge part of it. You know, the the regional lingo that they come in with, it's like, being introduced to an entire different, entirely different style of language. So like, you know, when Juicy J comes in, he says, riding the car with some bump in the trunk, tone in my lap, you know it's a pump. And, you know, I'm an 18-year-old kid who grew up in Clifton Park, New York. I have no idea anything that he's talking about, but I want to know because it sounds so cool. So like this regional lingo that they kind of bring into their rapping is really important for me and something that I absolutely love you know when you get to somewhere like Tennessee um, and the last thing is DJ Paul's verse and you know he's just he's got this like deep raspy growl and it's just like DJ Paul is a dog one you do not trust and it's just like he's got such a distinctive vocal delivery so I love so many things about this track it, its it's really great
2: no I mean I don't disagree this is a fantastic track and Steve I mean where are you at with this with this song yeah
1: if I had known that this track came out in 2005, it would be in my top five. Um, you had real trouble <laughs> with years, and you picked this year. I thought that, yeah, well, you know, it, it, again, this year, was the, the 04, 05, that was some fun years in college, so, you know, <laughs> everything's a blur at that point. So, I, I honestly was like, oh, I thought this track might have come out in 04, but, I, you know, Wikipedia and Corey proved me wrong once again. So, yeah, it was, <laughs> I was like, wow, uh, shit, this, this should probably be in my top five but it's not alas so i think that it was an excellent choice um i absolutely love this song uh it's 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 really really great i'm glad that you picked it um because it definitely needs to be in one of ours (laughs) if not both of ours so great great choice man i mean does i know Corey kind of went through his adorable
2: story about him and his soccer team but uh steve was there anything that did this song have much importance to you or what kind of importance (laughs) did it hold for you
1: uh, it was, I mean, besides the fact, so I was DJing, uh, for my college radio station around this time too. And it was, it would set off every party, every single party, uh, whether it was a frat party, uh, one of the black student union or the, uh, impact parties, you know, there was always of space for this song to, to, to turn something up, you know, before the football games, the basketball games, it was playing, you know, the men's basketball, the women's, but it didn't matter. Everybody was playing this track uh, for, you know, for any turn up purpose. <laughs> and so, um, uh, you know, it, it was very influential. And then also the conversations around it too, because people were trying to read into a group called three, six mafia and being like, Oh, uh, are they worshiping the devil? Um, because the sample that's in it, whenever, uh, it says you are God, you are a King, you are a God. But people were, were trying to say that it was like, you are, that they were saying you are God, you are a King Lucifer. And that it connects to three, six being representative of the devil and that juicy J and crunchy black. And all these folks are devil worshipers and stuff. And I was like, yo, what? Like, (laughs) so yeah, there was also that narrative that existed because of this song too. Yeah. I wonder why they chose to go with
2: that narrative of all, goddamn things. Like you had to like take a couple like jumps and leaps there to get to that. Like, oh wait, you know what? If you think about it, this is like if Alex Jones tried to like dissect 3 6 Mafia at the time. Exactly. Exactly.
0: I mean you saw it in the video when Juicy J walks up the buttoned up white conservatives. He walks by them yeah. and they're just like give him the eyeball. Um I just also want to just talk about Juicy J's fashion for a second. Because mm. Juicy J Always has the absolute Best t-shirts You know his t-shirt in this video is incredible But he also Classic. has the one Of Leatherface in the iconic Scene from Texas Chainsaw Massacre And I, I've always always Wanted that shirt I saw Juicy J Wearing it somewhere and I was just like Oh my god I need that shirt right now It's like in incredible
2: person? Like you saw him in person <laughs> No not or? in a
0: video or uh, at, at some kind of performance I can't remember but it, it's <laughs> Juicy J is so fly <laughs> Did you
2: and your soccer team have, like, a synchronized dance to this at all or, like, something?
0: No, no, nothing like that. But you, you just you just have to vibe to this song. Like, every time it comes on, you know, Steve, you mentioned it. Like, it, it just turns up every single party. So, like, you know, if you feel the party's energy wavering a little bit, you just, all right, 3-6 Mafia, let's do this.
1: Yeah, press play and the energy shifts in a positive direction every time. Instantly. Every time.
2: So... I guess we're going to kind of move on to the next here. Uh, so, Steve, what is your number four?
1: Yeah, so uh, speaking of shifting energy a bit, uh, we're going to slow it down, uh, get a bit introspective, uh, because my number four song is Beanie Siegel featuring Melissa Jimenez's Feel It In The Air. I sit long in my four-corner room staring at ham. Ready to go bananas to vests on me, two text, extra clips on me, I know my mind ain't playing tricks on
0: me. Nothing man, ain't no snitch.
2: I mean yeah, we went from like two party tracks to like something real heavy, uh, for a second there. But uh Steve, why why this track from Beanie Siegel?
1: I mean, I think it's it might be Beanie's best song uh, that he's done. Um Great. it's Probably. Yeah, I think he's also the only East Coast artist. Uh, so it's similar to your point earlier about no East Coast, West Coast artists ended up on your top five. He's the only person representative of East or West Coast that ended up on my top five as well. Um, I think the song is just too incredible of a story, um, but also a representation of So many feelings and emotions like paranoia and fear and, you know, questioning and and questioning yourself, questioning your circle, you know, the people who are around you. Um, There's just so much of that that's so representative over an incredible beat uh, that was produced by Heavy D. uh, Rest in peace to Heavy D. Um, Not a lot of folks, you know, also think of him as a producer, but, you know, he made a lot of really, really dope beats for a lot of incredible people, uh, including Jay-Z. And so, you know, this, this song that he did with Beanie Siegel, I think that, you know, it's it's really um, one of the best storytelling songs um, that I've ever heard. Um, and then also even in the 2000s, uh, it ended up getting a lot of acknowledgement. Uh, Pitchfork called the song, you know, in its top 400 songs of, you know, the 2000s, um, you know, was this song was in it. So, I mean... Yeah, it's, it's really, really uh, powerful uh, and moving, and, and I thought it should be definitely included in the top five.
0: Yeah, Steve, I think your point about the paranoia is especially a good one, because there's one reference in this track that immediately stood out to me where he says, I sit alone in my four-cornered room staring at hammers, which is a clear, you know, reference back to ghetto boys and yeah. one of the greatest songs about paranoia and anxiety i've ever ever heard yeah. my mind's playing tricks on me so there's a very clear message and thing that he's doing in this song and i think the the you know the mvp of the song no no shots at beanie but melissa's vocal which is just like one line but every time she comes in it's like this angel and it is yeah. the track this like atmosphere of just like it's just crazy so every time she I feel it in the air like yeah. and the way her voice goes up like it's yeah. crazy so like you know th- this is an absolute fire pick dude like very very good <laughs> Thanks, yeah
2: man. and I, I know I sort of equipped that like yeah it's it's two party tracks but like that yeah it, it that song just feels like incredibly important for that year and just like sort of in general too that's the story that he's able to, and just sort of the words he's using and the way that he paints the picture in it um, feels kind of really unique uh, in a lot of different ways, too. So, no, that was a great
0: song. I mean, the one question I had, Steve, was, you know, when I was watching the video and listening to the track, immediately what came to mind was that Jay-Z line, you know, Beans would get it if he wasn't in his feelings. Like, is this song, like, part of that kind of Jay-Z... Rockefeller Records like thing Is that what it's wrapped up in
1: No no I th- that, that, I, I, Well I think that, So Jay Z's the king of you know double And triple entendres so He was able to reference this song by Saying you know if Beans wasn't in his feelings But I think you know What he was actually intending with that line was more about, you know, if he wasn't feeling a certain way about how business went down between us as businessmen in addition to or aside from our friendship, then things could be a little different as far as, you know, where his career could be um, today. But yeah, so I don't I don't think that there's any direct connection to this song or this era in, in Bean's life, as far as I'm aware of, outside of it being kind of like a double entendre, in you know referencing this song as, you know, which which is one of Beanie's, if not Beanie's, best song.
0: Now for sure, I mean, it just came to mind because it. it... It kind of smacks of that like beef between him and Jay-z and you mentioned like paranoia and anxiety about like the people in your circle so I, that that was just it just like clicked in my mind I was like oh man is this like but I, I didn't think that was going on back in 04 either so I was like yeah it, 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 could it be like what's going on
1: it could be it could be it's, it's a, I, I never thought of this song in that way so uh, in hindsight listening to it and 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 in with that kind of lens on it yeah possibly. Possibly. Well, we all know where Jay-Z's at
2: now, uh, which
1: is... (laughs) Yeah, on Jeff Bezos' boat right now (laughs) with his wife. He's about to
0: go to space with Jeff Bezos. Yeah. (laughs) 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 All
2: right, Corey, let's hear your number four.
0: So I am going to shift the energy very much right now uh, away from introspection. And we are going from Memphis, Tennessee to Houston, Texas. Steve, you mentioned Swisha House. I have my Swisha House representation. I'm going with Sitting Sideways by Paul Wall
1: featuring Big Oakie. Another fire pick, my friend. I'm with Big Bang Joe trunk bump like chicken pox, turn the up just You see them blaze, you see the trunk popping. I turned my, my, uh,
2: my headphones on that just because that was loud but it was, uh, it needed to be played loud. Definitely a shift in the mood. Corey, why was this your, uh, your number
0: four? I mean, I mentioned before Swisha House and, you know, Houston, Texas, and listening to this song is like taking a class in Houston hip hop 101. You know, you got the chopped and screwed beat from Solly Williams that just has that weird phasing. And like, you know, that's something that I hadn't heard before. So like, You know, the chopped and screwed sound like comes in with this track. And then again, it's all about the regional lingo. Like you need, it's like you're being handed a dictionary of Houston slang. There's so many things that I had never heard and like didn't know. So like, you know, Paul Wall raps in the first verse, he goes, I'm sitting sideways on swang, candy paint dripping off the frame. You see me acting bad. I'm showing out and pulling stunts, say cheese and show my fronts more carrots than Bugs Bunny's lunch. And that's a fire line. Great, great reference to Bugs Bunny. But like all the things I was like, swang, what does that mean? Candy paint? I don't know what candy paint is. I don't know what pulling stunts is. And when you're an 18-year-old kid, you're just like, and it sounds this cool? It's like, I need to know everything about this. And so, you know, that's what kind of introduced me to Houston hip-hop um, was this song. And I, I absolutely love it.
2: I, you know what? Now I know what those things are. I had no idea what they were before either. Educational is what this is as well. I like you're like, that sounds cool. It it is.
0: It's like being handed a dictionary. Why were,
2: what was it? We're like, like, oh, that sounds cool. Like, what did, what did candy paint where you're like, that is cool?
0: What is that? Well, no, not just like the, not the lines sound cool, but like Paul Wall and his delivery is so cool that like, I want to know what this lifestyle is. And, you know, candy paint on the old school Impala, I'm like, that, that sounds awesome. What, what does that mean? I want it.
2: (laughs) Fair enough. All right. Uh, Steve. What are your thoughts on this one?
1: I thought it was an excellent pick. I love this song. I think that you, you know, to to your point about the beat and how it sounds and how there's something so unique about it, I felt the same way. I also think that Paul Wall's flow is so immaculate. I mean, he, Paul Wall is one of the best flowers and most underrated flowers in hip hop. I mean, th- this is the way that he can ride a beat and just, you know, find a way to coast over anything is incredible. Um, you know, uh, who was the other guy? Big Pokey. Um, Big Pokey. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd rather hear Baby, you know, than Big Pokey. And that's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, and, and I don't even really, I'm not even a fan of Baby like that. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's kind of what I thought about Big Pokey's verse. But, <laughs> um, but Paul Wall, I think, was incredible on it and, and carries the entire track.
0: Yeah, I mean, Paul Wall, it's interesting, you know, I, I read this thing recently that like Paul wall is the only white rapper who has never like addressed his whiteness in rapping. And it's an interesting thing. I feel like it's because he's so ingrained in that Houston scene and just like, and is I, I don't even know, but I read that and I thought it was very interesting. Um, Steve, any thoughts on that? I
1: mean, I think it's because Paul wall doesn't, Well, no person has to, but Paul Ball realizes that he doesn't have to address it at all. There's no point in being like, yeah, I'm white and I'm doing this or I'm doing that. He's like, nah, like, this is just who I am. I think most of the people who are, you know, using whiteness as their leverage point to create a conversation are just really, you know, gimmicking within hip hop anyway, if, if that's your leverage point, you know, it's always going to be no matter who you are, how you identify, what you represent, it's always going to be about the skills that you bring every time, all the time. So, um, So for Paul Wall, I mean, not only is he a dope producer, a dope rapper, um, but even within the culture of hip hop, I mean, he's making grills for people and he's making some of the best grills in the game. So, you know, there's, (laughs) there's, you know, many areas in which Paul wall is fully being himself. And in that fully authenticating himself to a point where he doesn't need to talk about race, you know, and something as trivial as that. So,
0: Nah, for real. And that's, that's the thing is like, Paul wall is just so real, like at all times, he, he just lives this Houston life, like, and that's why listening to his music is so fascinating because it's it's like transporting you into a scene and a thing that you have no idea. But he's so descriptive and so authentic that you feel like you are listening or in that culture when you listen to it, which is something that I just absolutely love about Paul Wall.
1: Most definitely.
0: The last thing I just want to bring up quickly with this song is. Did, you, did either of you recognize this from a movie by chance?
2: Is it fucking Fast and Furious?
0: No, it's not.
1: <laughs> um, From a movie? Uh, I don't know, like Biker Boys? Like what was the big movie? Like, That's five like... <laughs> It's
0: definitely a big movie for all of us, but maybe not a big movie like globally, but this song appears in Grandma's Boy. Oh, hell, party yeah.
1: Scene. hell yeah <laughs> shout out to grandma's boy that is one of the best <laughs> movies of all time ah uh, shout out to that movie um... honestly
0: like sneakily that party scene is just an incredible soundtrack it has block party it's got all wall and then uh linda Cardellini's character does the salt and pepper <laughs> karaoke thing <laughs> And it's just incredible, like so much good music in that scene. And Grandma's Boy, just oh, amazing movie.
2: <laughs> okay, so I may have mentioned this before. In terms of it being a big movie for all of us, still haven't seen it, which I know is oh, wow. is, is kind of black. Wow. L- listen, hey, it might be a little bit blasphemous. Wow. We just did an episode called Wait, haven't you? You know, so uh, you haven't seen this, so I think this is this gives me a bit of a pass. Uh, no, I think John, our, our mutual friend, John Fran, uh, who has been on the first couple of episodes owns it. He had tried to, I was show just going to say, yeah, he had tried to show <laughs> we it to really me really before. Really <laughs> I think I fell asleep. I think I was doing what they were doing in the movie. <laughs>
0: I 100 own it on DVD, and I will give it to you. As someone who smokes weed every single day, you need to watch. I this also movie. own this like, movie on
1: DVD, and incredible. we'll lend it to you whenever you need. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: I mean, incredible, dude! Like, yeah, incredible.
2: I listen. I've heard these things for whatever reason. I think it's even like on any. It's probably like on every streaming service that exists. Uh, but I, for whatever reason, I still haven't seen it. I don't know it's not like I I'm trying to like hold out on it it's just like I haven't sat down and been like you know what I kind of want to watch because the and the other thing too is or maybe maybe I'm just overthinking it I'm like everyone else has seen this why would they want to watch why would they want to watch it again with me for whatever million time and my first time
0: I'll watch it. I'll watch it anytime. Yes. <laughs> <What> the fuck. <laughs> Yo, Steve. I was just. I was. When I was researching, I was trying to find the the scene on YouTube. So I was watching that party scene again. Yeah. And the absolute funniest joke comes up in that, and it's when the old lady and Nick did are talking, and he's like, or she's like, I gave a hand drop to Charlie Chaplin once, and he just pauses and stares at her, and is like, Was he silent?
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Dude, spoilers. Spoilers. It's one joke. <laughs> oh man, could have been my that favorite. Movie's so funny. That movie so funny. <laughs> it's
0: hysterical. What a, what a movie.
2: I, I guess. I, again, I can't agree with any of you, but um, you will. All right. So we're actually gonna wrap it right there for part one. Uh, we're gonna continue part two uh, on our next episode. So next week, Steve. Thank you again and thank you for again of course joining us uh, for the episode for next week but thank you again for for going through this with us again even, even though we're only in part one.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Looking forward to part two. See y'all soon.
2: Yeah, man. And yeah. Uh, Corey, you got no choice so you're just going to be here anyway. So anyways, thanks again everyone. Here. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. See you next week.